The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Creepers, welcome back to another episode of History Creeps. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by the creepiest of creepers, Johnny Townsend. So I was asked this recently, and I was asked this very important question. Johnny, would you ever sell out? And I thought about this, and then I looked at my crippling dry bank account, and I decided that yes, in a freaking second, would I sell out. So what I'm trying to say is... Uh, stay tuned for the next <laughs> commercial that we're about to drop for uh, one of these pills that makes your ding-dong get higher. <laughs> <laughs> and the most horrific of the horror writers, Carter Johnson. You know, I was asked that question recently, too, to which I give the Chris McDonald reply. I didn't I didn't sell out, son. I bought in. I bought in. So what we're trying to say is Carter, too, will be joining me on this Blue Chew adventure. <laughs> I always liked. Oh my God, you actually went blue chew. Oh, there he went. There he went. I always like. I always liked uh, Jason Newstead's use of the term "sellout" when he was asked during Metallica's heyday if they sold out. He's like, "Yeah, we sell out. We sell out every night." Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that was a good one. Um. Anyway, what's up, everybody? What's going about, on, guys? We sell out. We sell out every night, but we're also mad about that thirteen-year-old who's downloading our music. Oh, how dare they get the list? We're yeah. going to their house. Yeah. Full They're arm of the law gets that 13-year-old. Downloading our podcast for free. House. You sounded like Jay and Silent Bob, dude. Like, did you say on movie poop shoot Jay and Silent Bob? Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing. How you guys doing? Good, man. You guys staying safe? You guys staying safe with that killer virus out there, dude? It's weird dude. to really think that this is our reality. We're living in a world where there's a virus that's just kind of out there wrecking havoc. We're also li- we're also living in a world where you can tell that, uh, man, America is just so selfish that we're just going to have this virus forever. Oh God, yeah. When other countries are <laughs> laughing at us because they're already on the other side of it. Oh, I don't even know what to say. There's like nothing you can say about that anymore. It's so disgusting. Fine. It's yeah. just really, really disappointing and disgusting. Yeah, it really is, and. Man, I don't want to get super political, so I'll just leave it alone. But it's very frustrating. Um, let's all kind of, all I'll say is let's all work together so we can get past this, please. That'd be great and fantastic. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That would be amazing. Um, anyway, so during these COVID times when we're still not able to keep going out, uh, we are stuck indoors much more than off, much more often than others. But I, I feel like for the three of us, it really doesn't change much. For some reason, I don't feel like Carter was a, a club-going partier before covid hit and johnny i really don't see you doing that as well yeah those, no those days are long behind me exactly uh, and even when they were with me i didn't like doing it <laughs> well even when they were with me if something like this had happened i might have been like okay you know 
if I want to do this again in a year, I probably shouldn't do it right now. Back yes. th- back then, right? I guess that we would have been so for us. If this had happened back then, when we were of the age doing that kind of thing, like going out all the time and partying with our friends, we wouldn't really have we wouldn't have streaming services to keep us kind of busy, right? We would be doing the old school Netflix, where you ordered five discs at once, wait for it to get to your house, watch you the movies, what? return them. Yes. So yeah. no, check this out. So here's a little story for you about that. So <laughs> I went back to my old college after I got expelled for not going to class and drinking too much. <laughs> um, I went back to visit a friend and sleep on her floor. All right. So about four of us came down there. We're all piling in on her floor. Uh, her roommate is sick. All right. So we all spend the night, get wasted, go home the next day. I go over to my friend's house to score a bag and use their bong. There's six other there's six other people there. I pack it up. We all hit it. Within days, all of us have 102 fevers. <laughs> We're coughing up almost, you know, a lung. All of us are and you know what? You know why? Because we all shared that bong. That's exactly why. Because I brought I was the typhoid Mary and I brought it back into my group of friends. And we ended up calling it the Ebola virus. That's how bad we were. One of us actually That's had to go disgusting. to the emergency room. Holy crap. Oh, it was awful, dude. This feels like this should be some sort of after school special. Right. Or a, or, or a commercial, right? It's like those those say yeah. no to drugs commercials. This is this is the untold part of that is that, you know. Yeah, this should be some after after school special with a young Rob Lowe. Dude, we were so sick for like a week and a half. Like it was horrible. It was horrible. But thank God for so streaming moral services. Of the story is <laughs> so thank God for streaming services. That's the moral of the story. You need something that's going to yeah. keep you yep. busy when you're stuck indoors during all this nonsense. Agreed. Something to do, something to watch. We talked about unsolved mysteries last episode. That was last episode, right, or the one before that? I can't remember. Have you guys? Have you guys? Have you guys watched the whole thing? Yeah. Yes. Like, st- okay, so we started watching it, and I told you guys this last week that I was having problems with my internet, and that's why we had to move the show to today. Uh, so we started watching the first episode and it was awesome. Like it was so good. I fell asleep, even though it was really good. I <laughs> fell asleep because I have a three year old and, and then boom, the internet went out and we haven't gotten back to it. Is it worth going? I think there's six episodes, yes. right? Is it yes. worth going all the there's, way through? It is. I think so. Yeah. yeah. For sure, it really is. You can even listen to the show we did the last the, the, that that sidecar. We don't really do any spoilers. We don't give too much away on any of the stories. Uh, we just basically talk about the show and how it was produced, how it came across, how enjoyable it was. You know, the way it made us yeah. feel, our pros and cons of 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 what they did with it. Yeah, overall, we both liked it. Yes, because like I I love I used to watch it all the time back in the day, and it was a good show, and I was into it. But I told Ellen that it was coming back on Netflix. And she literally like grabbed me by the collar and is like, "Don't play with my emotions." <laughs> it's still, you know, so like she's was, she's like all into it. So it was one of my favorite shows growing up. I'm not even gonna lie, yeah. I loved it. And there's differences, you know. Obviously, you saw it. It's it's one story for the yeah, whole it, thing. There's well, no yeah, host, there's that no kind of thing. Stack, so. But yeah, but it not. is good. The stories are pretty are pretty intriguing. And it's shot very well. It's very well made. Um. So the, I think our pros outweighed the cons we had, though we did have some cons about yeah. it. It's just some things that we maybe would have liked more. Because I think my main, my major issue with it, and it's not enough for me to not like it, because I still liked it. I'm going to watch the other ones when they come out. Uh, is 
that it, it's it's shot so well, but it also doesn't feel like Unsolved Mysteries at all besides the theme music. Right. It's a yeah. different feel. Yeah. If you, if you took out the theme music, it could be just like any other uh, documentary series on Netflix or whatever streaming service you watch right now. Well, do you feel like maybe the time period when when Unsolved Mysteries, when the original Unsolved Mysteries was on, not that the show dated itself, but that, I don't know, maybe it was because at that point in time there weren't a whole lot of shows like that on television. Do you know what I'm saying? And now, with, like what Chris was saying with streaming services and all these other things, and there's all these different documentaries and uh you know shows like Mindhunter that kind of blend the two together a little bit hmm. right um uh, maybe maybe it's harder for a show like unsolved mysteries to stand out now versus when it was well yeah on, I, I think yeah. this you know version I think like, this yes. version is hard for it to stand if they had come back with a, a truer kind of uh, production as the original had more than one story uh, you know in, in, I think it, it would have stood out a little bit because a lot of these series don't really do more than one story per episode a lot of times every episode is its own story so yeah yeah so currently it's going to have a it's a hard time standing out aside from the the nostalgia factor people are going to come to it from nostalgia and introduce it to friends who had never heard of it uh, or even younger people who'd never heard of it so to them that's this is going to be their version of it I don't think it'll stand out so much you know what I mean Especially, okay. especially since, uh, I mean, out of these first six, obviously they haven't announced what the next six are going to be. Like, literally, five of them are true crime, and one yeah. of them is something different. Paranormal, so, yeah. yeah one of them, one paranormal one? Yes, yeah, and it's so very, far. very good, by the way. You're going to want to watch it. <laughs> it did throw me off, though, it being such an older story. You know what I mean? That was the one throw, yeah. throw because a lot of the stories we hear are a little bit more current, but... Uh, right. It's um you'll see yeah, definitely go back and watch it Carter because I'll I'll, I'll be interested okay. to know what you think that we'll text through the messaging and, and see what you thought of those episodes. Yeah, yeah. Speaking um, of documentaries it, though, like seriously, it used to be a thing like I love documentaries, but now my oh, yeah. favorite is the docu series. These things that it's yeah. like every episode it's the one the, the whole series is about it, but you get more content because it's broken down into four, five, six episodes. Johnny turned me on to this one uh, a few weeks ago. We were discussing it, uh, McMillions, about the monopoly, uh, the the uh, monopoly yes. crime thing that happened in the yes. what was it the late nineties and two thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about this one. Oh, it, it's really good. We're Is gonna end good? up. Yeah, it's we're good. gonna we're gonna end up covering that it's, one in the future. It's, yeah, it's very very good. We're definitely gonna. It's good. Definitely gonna get its own episode on here. Uh, but the basis is everybody remembers because they still do it every once in a while. But especially in the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, McDonald's was doing that Monopoly game like crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember and, playing that. Yeah, same. I remember when it first started, and I was very excited to play it. But do you remember uh, you would get every single piece except for the one winning yes. for every single part of that board? Yep. And it was and like for walk, dude. Yeah, and then it's like forget walk. it, forget it. You the, the reason nobody got them was because of the, what we saw in this documentary, which was amazing. I'm telling you, it's amazing, amazing. Yep. I just absolutely loved okay. it. But now I'm hooked. I, then I need what? What's it on? HBO Max. Yeah. Oh Christ! Just get it, dude. Just get it. Uh, it's get it for the week. It. Get it for the free week. Just yeah. Binge like crazy. Yeah. But it was a, it's a great documentary. And then uh, speaking of that, the other one, you know, again, now I'm hooked. I'm hooked on these docu series. Uh, the other one I just started. Uh, was the one it's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the one that's uh, it's it. So basically, Patton Oswald's wife, uh, Michelle McNamara, uh, a few years back, she was super, you know, into crime stories and, and that's that stuff. She was a, a, 
an avid kind of researcher and 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 um, what do you call it? Amateur sleuth on the Golden State Killer. Um, also, I guess he's the same guy. He's the East Area Rapist. Um, yes, yeah, the same guy. So, so this documentary basically it covers that, but it's about her. It's about her and her obsession with this, and how she really just meticulously delves into this case. And it, I'm, the, I'm assuming the whole series is going to go this way. But it's you know so far it's showing how she's doing research and talking to people. She had a podcast, um, and she just it's just each episode just keeps getting deeper into the story, into the people's lives, the survivors. It is phenomenal. I absolutely love it, and I'm just so hooked on these now. Yeah, it's very, very good. Um, I think there's is there three or four episodes out right now. Uh, three out now, yeah. Three, yeah. Uh, so it's still an ongoing sh- uh, series, but I really like it too. I've been meaning to read her book. I was wanting to read it for this came out. I just gotten it yet, but I've heard great things about it. Another thing I really appreciate about it too is, you know, I'm a Patton Oswalt fan. I was a fan of his before. I knew any of this stuff about his wife, um, but I really like how they kind of do that on the show. He's there and he does some interviews and stuff, but it's not about him. Yeah, it's it's definitely about her a hundred percent. So he's there, his presence is there, but you know, I kind of like the fact that despite him being a famous actor or comedian, uh, it's not about him at all. He's just kind of there to help lay some groundwork over uh, like, like some relationship aspects with her. Yeah, and. That kind of thing. Well, because he was do her writing and stuff. I mean, he was her husband. He was with her in the most intimate right. moments, and he's able to say how obsessive she was in this kind of world. She loved this stuff, but it get there was a part where he talks about it got to her so much that she started having really vivid nightmares uh, to the point where he'd walk in the room when she was like like in this kind of this this state of sleep where she was barely awake but dreaming heavily, and she'd pick up the lamp and swing it at his head, thinking he was an intruder. What the hell? Yeah, dude, yeah. it's a, it's really, really, really good. Yeah, highly recommend. Dude, for that's sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is super hardcore. Yeah. Um, what about you, Johnny? You find any other new documentaries or series that that you, we all need to know about? All right, I'm <laughs> okay. I don't know why I'm I'm not ashamed of this, but <laughs> there's this show that's literally been on for decade for I think a decade. It's it's been on for a long time. And it's on ABC, and it's their, uh, is it 20 for 20 or 2020? What's it called? 2020? Something like that. I think that's it. Anyway, I found it on Hulu, and uh, it's literally like each episode is just like a little mini documentary about, it's mo- it's mainly true crime stuff. And I've just, since I got Hulu, I've just been binging the crap out of that. <laughs> uh, and uh, I can't stop watching it. So um, there have been some really, uh, great ones on there like what the one of the recent ones was they had an update with the um you know there's three kids where two of them tried to stab their best friend because of slender man oh yeah, uh, yeah. Just, uh, they had an update on that one uh really really good um so uh, I, I recommend it honestly it's it's a good show nice sweet sweet what about you carter aside from uh watching x files in the dark well and that that documentary that you sent me, I finally started watching that one too. Oh, you you digging that? Yeah, man, I love it, man. It is so awesome. It's called uh, for our listeners, it's called In Search of Darkness, and uh, it's an '80s horror documentary. And they're co- dude, they're covering all the like they're hitting Maximum Overdrive, they're hitting Critters too. I mean, they're hitting 
you know, Reanimator and and From Beyond and all those kind of movies. Like it's it's great. But honestly, the coolest thing that I saw recently was not necessarily a documentary, but it was a it was on YouTube. It was a a Mufon conference, mm. and the key spe- the keynote speaker was uh, Travis Walton. Oh, okay, from Fire oh, in the Sky. Yeah, from yeah. Fire in the Sky, and he kind of ran you through. Uh, a condensed version of the of the incident as it really happened not like he would literally say this happened in the movie but this is what really happened did the did the syrup scene happen in the movie or the you know in, in real yeah. life <laughs> remember that scene yeah. i always i always dude, remember that dude, where I he's under the it, table i watched that again a couple of days ago oh it's so creepy and, it starts yeah, pouring into his eye yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nice now you said I, that was I, on I youtube would you say, Johnny? I said I'm not going to watch it unless they talk a good 30 minutes about Gremlins 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Wasn't I don't know. Gremlins Is two in the 90s though? I think they it do. I think they do mention the first Gremlins though, don't they? Isn't Gremlins oh, yeah, mentioned? Really I thought so. The first Gremlins. I thought that so. Was, that's horror, dude. It's a cool I'm documentary. Sorry, that's a horror movie. Like that's gateway horror. It is. I a- like Gremlins. Don't get me wrong. I do like the first Gremlins, but I freaking love gremlins too <laughs> and i'm, I'm not ashamed you, of this. The gremlins they haven't covered the gate yet either which to me it was oh, that was gateway horror for what me. what year was that because i know this the way this goes is it follow it does the whole decade but year yeah, by year yeah year by year yeah i'm trying to remember what year that was i want to say it was early and then they do this Steven other thing they do that other thing too where um not only do they do year by year but then they cover like a specific topic you know what i mean like yeah. sex in horror or you know practical Dude, the effects one about, about feminism in horror that sub part was awesome yeah because i've always felt that way about horror that it it, oh. it only looks exploitative to women on the outside. It's really not. I did want to bring this up. Um, NBC has started their streaming channel, and it's Peacock. There's a free version. Yeah, it's called Peacock. There's a free version, and on its free version, you can actually get both seasons of Project Blue Book, that show that was on History Channel, and it's I really like that show. I watched the first season; it's really good. Uh, yeah, I haven't finished the first season yet. Yeah, but both seasons are on there, and it's free. So. Uh, you know, go ahead if you want to to watch that. It's a really good show, but just go into it realizing that it's uh, historical fiction. I would say it's definitely based on the real Project Blue Book stories that are in there, that uh, these documented real things that happen. But it's a uh, you know, it takes real character like uh, Heineck, who was a real person, but it takes him and kind of uh, builds this narrative around him in this Project Blue Book. So nice, uh, but it's but I really like it. It's really good. Sweet. Good show. There you go, creepers. We gave you some things to check out while you're hunkering down, trying to stay safe, and hopefully cleaning your hands and washing your masks. Washing your masks, wearing your masks. Well, wash them too, <laughs> right? Aren't you supposed? You're yeah. supposed to keep washing yeah, them you too. Got the reusable ones, yeah. You're supposed to wash them. So there yeah. you go. Um, all right, let's move along. We have any current? We do have current creeps, right? We have something. Carter found something that was actually kind of cool. Yeah, kind of like a. Yeah, and you know what? This is going to be fun because I haven't actually read the article since i like tagged you guys in it <laughs> and that was at the end of last month so and i only read it once and kind of skimmed it so this will be fun uh so the i'll just start with the title the title of the article this is from uh the vintage news by the way 
Uh, the title of the article is Experts Believe They Have Found the Lost American Colony of Roanoke. Dun, dun, dun. Which immediately caught my eye because I think we've even talked about this mm-hmm. before. Oh, that yeah. That was one of our original and, episodes. Yeah. 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 And so this is this is a – man, and you know what? Speaking as a native North, North Carolinian, this is one of those things that, like, comes up a lot. Yes. Like yes, it's it it's taught, it's you know, it's really it's a big deal. Do they spend is, a little bit a more time in school deal. when you're a kid teaching this? A little more time than you would think they would. Yeah, okay. we actually in our when I remember this because in eighth grade uh, we got to take a a class field trip for like three four days to the Outer Banks, and like one of those things that really just sticks in my mind is we one of those stops we were that we stopped at was all about the lost colony right? and uh man it's just like you feel like you're walking on sacred ground almost yeah that's creepy anyway all right so here we go uh i'm gonna just kind of read this article verbatim uh this is by a guy named steve palace And the article's dated June 22nd of this year, so kind of the end of last month. Has the mystery of the lost Roanoke colony been solved? A local expert appears to have dug up compelling evidence. The disappearance of 115 people in the 16th century is an enduring puzzle of the New World. Did they simply leave, or did something terrible happen to them? Either way, the group was never seen again. Hatteras is thought to be the one place the colonists went after abandoning their new home, which became uh, Dare County. Uh, The island was formerly named after the Croatoans, a Native American tribe who lived there. Emergency medical technician and part-time archaeologist Scott Dawson is one of today's residents. He figured this is where Roanoke's pioneers wound up. All he had to do was prove it. Um. So back in 2009, he and the University of Bristol's Mark Horton began exploring the area. Quoted by the Daily Mail, Horton says, Massive political eruptions and disagreements and people walking out and things, that's a quote, probably followed once Roanoke fell apart. This may have led to social splintering. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident one group at least, probably the pretty substantial part, came out to Hatteras Island. It took a few years, but in 2013, Dawson, Horton, and their team hit the artifact jackpot. Thousands of items were recovered from the island, many of them from the Croatoan tribe. Hmm. However, parts of the trove trove can be connected to white settlers. Hmm. What was found? Alongside tribal tools, weapons, and beads were writing slates and an iron rapier, which is a, a kind of sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, most interestingly, some objects had been adapted for other uses. Ooh. For example, a copper earring had been fashioned into a fish hook. I can't believe we found what we found, says Dawson. It's kind of surreal. We not only found evidence of mixed architecture of houses, but also metallurgy, where they had blacksmith shops and were also working in copper and lead. And this continued right on into the 1600s. Ooh. It's hard to say how many but a few dozen at least lived for a few decades down there in the villages. 
and continued to work in metals. I think that was one of the big theories was that they were kind of yeah. adopted or, or brought into yeah. the native community. And and we agreed with yeah. that, I think, on, on our recordings. That, well, at least for me, I thought it was either UFOs or they went to live with the, the natives. Right. Yeah. The the natives one, natives one uh, it's made more realistic. <laughs> yeah. Made, made more sense. Uh, so that's fascinating, though. That's I mean, that crazy, would be right? that's good evidence for sure. I mean, that's that's pretty. uh pretty important too because that's like oh we've suspected this but now we have actual proof that at least some of them you know came here yeah so that's like one part of the mystery like you can actually you know put a pin in and say this part has been more or less solved i don't think we're gonna have a full answer until we find like a journal or a diary of of the actual person that lived it you know yeah but that's pretty cool, dude. I always love when we get that, when we have these kind of updates to some of the historical stories we talked about in the past. That's it's I love that stuff. And you know what's funny is it, it always ends up being what, what you said, Chris. It's always like not the most innocuous uh, uh, solution, but like close to it. Right. Like it, it's like completely unremarkable. You know what I mean? Right, right. It wasn't as... as uh as i don't know foreboding as everyone like thought fanciful, yeah or fanciful or something like johnny said aliens i i would want to believe that it was aliens too but <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was it that would have been something better, i say you know? for sure um that's awesome yeah um man i don't know i love it like i said before i love when that happens i love when we get updates from stuff we covered before um yeah let's move on to today's story you guys ready to do this Yes. Have you have either of you guys ever heard of George Stinney Jr.? Well, let me check my Facebook. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm not good. friends with him. Good, good. I'm glad you haven't because I was hoping that this was something maybe you guys had never heard of before. No, I've never heard of this. This is going to happen. This is going. We're going back to 1944, March, Sweet. March 1944. Alkulu, Alkulu, South Carolina. Is that how you say it? Alkulu? Do you guys know this place? Alcohol. I know, I know it, but I've literally heard it pronounced many different ways. So, uh, yeah, it's an unincorporated community, um, small working class mill town in 1944. When I say small, I mean like even now to uh, in today's standards, the last census 2010 had the place uh, having a population of 429 people. So it's yeah, a it's a small. very small collection of neighborhoods and uh, living you know properties. Uh, as was typical of the towns in South in the South during Jim Crow era, uh, whites and blacks lived in separate neighborhoods, and they did so in this town as well. They went to different churches, uh, different schools, uh, and and in Okolu, the neighborhoods where these the the two different races lived was divided by railroad tracks. There was rarely interaction between these two sides. Right um, on this particular day in March, nineteen forty four, in Okolu. 11-year-old Betty June Binnaker and 7-year-old Mary Emma Thames, both white, were out riding their bikes looking to collect flowers. As they crossed the tracks uh, separating the neighborhoods, the girls stopped at a house where they saw 14-year-old George Stinney Jr. and his 7-year-old sister Amy playing in the yard. The girls asked the siblings if they knew where they could find some Maypops. You guys know what a Maypop is? You heard of that there? No. You know what passion fruits are, right? Yes. Yeah. That's just a, a nickname for passion fruits. Also, oh, it's a fruit I want to make love to. There you go. You may, you may okay. pop. You may pop. Uh, 
So anyway, they were looking for the, these flowers, these maypops. The Stinny children shook their heads no, and the little girls continued on their way. The next morning, news spread rapidly that both girls had not returned home. Now, remember what I said about limited interaction between whites and blacks in the 1940s? Well, children going missing would supersede this. The town came together to start you know, putting together search parties to find this, these two little girls uh, from both sides of the track. And George Stinney's father, George Stinney Sr., even joined one of the big search, search parties to go looking for the girls. Within hours, the girls' bodies were found in a ditch uh, on the predominantly black side of town. Both girls' skulls had been crushed. Immediately, members of the neighborhood were interrogated. And when the authorities found out that 14-year-old George Stinney Jr. was the last person to make contact with both girls, they immediately placed him and his 17-year-old brother, John, under arrest. They were both interrogated for hours without a lawyer or their parents present. Then, they let John go. But 14-year-old George remained in custody. According to a handwritten statement by Clarendon County Deputy Arresting Officer H.S. Newman, he says, quote, I arrested a boy by the name of George Stinney. He then made a confession and told me where to find a piece of iron about 15 inches where he's uh, 15 inches where he said he put it in a ditch about six feet from the bicycle. So the weapon described matched the type that would cause the blunt force trauma to the face and head of both girls. The very next day, he was charged with first-degree murder. George would remain in custody for the next month, awaiting trial. During this time, now think about this. This is a 14-year-old boy who hadn't had a lawyer or his parents present, interrogated by these officers for hours and hours on end, charged with murder, and then over this next month, he's not allowed to see his family. Um, you know, during this time, he was not allowed to see his parents. The town uh, was already tense with racial and political climate, and it boiled over. The townsmen threatened to storm the jail to lynch the boy. And the authorities had already anticipated this. They moved him. They moved him to Charleston by that time. Uh, but it wasn't good, man. The town just kind of turned on the entire family. His father was fired from the sawmill and the family had to move in the middle of the night uh, for fear for their lives. This whole time, over this whole month, George is maintaining his innocence, stating that police starved him and then bribed him with food to get him to confess. So Stinney's trial date was set for April 24th, one almost a full month from the, the discovery of the bodies. That morning, the jury selection started at 10 a.m. So the date of the trial, they didn't even have a jury yet. They said, this is the date of your trial. And starting at 10 a.m., we're starting jury selection. It took them two hours, two hours to, to select the jury. So around noon is when they started the trial. No, I'm sorry. By noon was when they were done. Uh, and a little, a couple of hours after that, they started the trial at 2.30 p.m., same day. Uh, Stinney's court appointed lawyer was a 30 year old Charles Plowden. He was a tax commissioner running for political office. The trial itself lasted two hours, concluding at 4 30 p.m. So just think about this, right? These little girls were murdered. The very same day their bodies are discovered, the 14 year old boy is arrested. Within hours, they say they have a confession and they charge him with murder. Then they keep him for a month without any access to his family and then they set the trial date and the day that he's going to go on trial they put together the jury and they have the trial two hours a two-hour trial that's it concluding at 4 30 p.m uh during the two-hour trial plowden his lawyer did not cross-examine any witnesses 
did not call anyone to the stand, nor did he challenge the validity of the police officer's claims of confession. He didn't even challenge the, listen to this. He didn't even challenge the fact that the prosecution had two versions of a confession. One version said that he, the girls had attacked him when he tried to help one of them who fell in the ditch, and he confessed to killing them in self-defense. The other confession says he followed both girls because he wanted to have sex with the 11-year-old girl and then killed them both when they resisted. So, Dude, that's yeah. the worst lawyer of all time. Well, uh, that's not all. So, yeah, this, this trial's already sounding shady. The, exactly. Yeah, the all-white jury retired for deliberation just before 5 p.m. Right. Of course, they're all white. Yep. Returning 10 minutes later finding 14-year-old George Stinney Jr. guilty of first-degree murder with no recommendation for mer- mercy. He was sentenced to the electric chair. A 14-year-old. A 14-year-old. There you are. Over the next yeah, over the next couple of months, uh, church, two months, churches, NAACP, and different unions pleaded for Governor Olin Johnston to stop the execution and change the sentence to life. The entire time, George Stinney held his innocence. He, they had interviews with the, the person he sell, shared a cell with, and the guy kept saying that this kid really didn't think he was going to be put to death. He, he was quoted as saying, how can they kill me? I know I didn't do it. So on June 16, 1944, less than three months after the brutal murders of the two little girls from the opposite side of the tracks, George Stinney Jr., 14-year-old boy was put to death by electrocution. Wow. He is the youngest American sentenced to death and executed ever. Crazy, wow. right? So there is a yeah, this I mean, is making me all kinds of mad. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, really. it's uh, it's sad. It's um it's unfortunate that that's pretty much uh, a running theme during that time, you know, um but the, there was a little a little piece of this that there was a little bit of uh I don't even know. You can't even say happiness, but there was a reexamination of the case uh, that was started in 2004, and several individuals in Northeastern University School of Law saw a judicial review. His conviction was overturned in 2014, 70 years after he was executed, when a court ruled that he had not received a fair trial. So they didn't say he didn't do it, but they overruled the conviction because they said that this kid was just railroaded. He was just murdered, basically. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Just to kind yeah. of appease the town, right? Yep. Yeah, I've never once heard of a, especially in modern times, of a trial being set up so fast and so quick, uh, and the same day getting your jury together on that same day, and and literally within like they did all this in a day, and then three months later he's they execute him. That is, wow! Like we can't like you know when they arrest, um, you know serial killers and they get put on death row, they're on death row for. Like a decade, it seems, mm-hmm. or longer, right? I mean, yeah. exhausting their their appeals. And it took right. them so you, they. And here's the thing: the jury heard two different versions of the confession. You know what I mean? It, it it's, the, and they watched this prosecutor who would challenge nothing. He would challenge nothing at all. Had z, his only defense. He didn't keep saying. He didn't say that his 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 uh you know. His client didn't do it. His client, he kept saying his client's too young to be put to death. That was his defense. He didn't even like give this kid a good defense. That's Yeah. It's 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 maddening, right? Like that's the kind of thing you expect from like a, a dictatorial country. And it only took the jury ten minutes. 
having heard all of that, having seen how the how the lawyer acted, you know, having heard different people. There was a piece here where they were saying that the court allowed discussion of the possibility of rape, although the medical examiner's report had no evidence to support this. They just started throwing things in there to say, oh, you could possibly he could have done this, too. Right. Do you know what I mean? Ten minutes is all they took to say, nope, kill the boy. That's just gross, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's un- unbelievable. Uh, it miscarriage is of justice, and, and, and right. the... even even if let's just say let's just say he did do it, like even if he did do it, how is this the the right reaction to that? Like, well, yeah, because is isn't isn't the whole point that even even guilty people are supposed to get you know fair representation and a fair trial? Yeah. Yes. You know, isn't that supposed to be how the system works? Yeah, supposed to work. That supposed to work. Yeah. You know, you can have a, you can literally have a smoking gun, and that doesn't preclude the guy or girl from getting a fair trial and a decent lawyer. It's it's nuts. They, uh, on Wikipedia, did you say this guy is, is was a, was a tax attorney? Yeah, he was a tax. He was a tax. Uh, let me see. Where's my notes? A tax commissioner running for political office. So basically, this was more about trying to make a name for himself. Uh, so it's like an unfunny version of the courtroom scene in Ghostbusters uh, too. Unfortunately, yeah. Like yeah. how? Uh, it's nuts. It's sad. They say that he was five inch, five feet, one inch tall, and weighing just over ninety pounds when he was executed. They had to use a Bible as a booster seat because he was too small for the chair. Oh my gosh, that that makes me more mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, if any creepers or anybody else is interested in in looking into this more, there are books and films about this case. Uh, there's a book called Carolina Skeletons uh, that David Stout wrote, um, and it was made into a TV movie in 1991 as well. There's also a a um, a movie called 83 Days, which is about this as well. Um, yeah, man. I mean, when I first heard this, because I was looking into different cases, and I can't remember where I saw this. I think I saw it because it said the youngest person ever, you know, prosecuted and executed. Um, yeah. So I was like, really? How come I've never heard of this? Like, this is our thing. Creeps, right? Weird stuff. You would think we would know who the youngest person was ever executed in our country. I guess we didn't, you know, because I looked into this. I was like, holy cow, I'd never knew known this. But then... Like, not just was this person the youngest executed. I mean, if he had been guilty, it had had all come out. He had been a legit confession. You know what I mean? It's still kind of not fascinating, but just kind of, you know, it's 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 interesting to me that this would be the youngest. And then at one point did we say we can't do that anymore as a society. Right. But now when we see that the youngest was also such a miscarriage of justice, it's it's yeah. it's even more infuriating and even more sad to have that be one of the you know, the stats that he's the youngest. <coughs> yeah, yeah, that's. So yeah, that's the story. I mean, it wasn't a super long story, um, and it's on but you dude, know. How can I don't know? This is this is the kind of thing that makes you stop and go, okay, so. Well, two things. One, why weren't we? taught this in school mm-hmm. right yeah because and that is something two, that is something right the youngest person executed yeah. would be something that you would think kids would we know about other things right like i don't know well i don't know i wonder you wonder if they don't teach us this because it shows that you know the system is not 
the system is not perfect, but it's also nowhere near perfect. Like, yeah, I think Johnny and I had this conversation before. I feel like when you just kind of cover over these these dark spots, you know, these little cancerous moments in our history, we're going to be just doomed to repeat it because we're not exactly. learning from it. So it should we should it. be yeah. teaching these things in school. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's how you learn and how you grow and how you decide, hey, we're not going to do that again. You know, exactly. uh, that's how you, that's how you do that. And that's, that's a failing. I don't, and I don't even blame the teachers. I was, when I was in school, history is always my favorite subject. And I was teachers very, I felt just cogs in the system, right? Yeah. They're mean, teaching, they, they teach what they're allowed to teach and they it's teach not, for a test. They don't teach. Yeah. They got to, you know, there's an end of year test and they're told you have to teach these things uh, because it'll reflect on you as a teacher too. If the, yeah. however your class performs according to this test. And that's one of the big issues when it comes to education. I got a lot of friends who are teachers, and this is one of their many frustrations that they tell me about. Uh, but when I was a kid growing up, uh, history is always my favorite subject. I felt very lucky that I had some really good history teachers who would uh, talk. To, like even in my school, we actually had a Civil War class, and of course I took it. And it was, and they were very open and honest about the Civil War. It wasn't just about the battles and stuff. Mm. You know, it wasn't just about that. It was they covered everything um so i felt so maybe that's how like i have more like i actually think about these things more than just yeah. uh, hey we should have the confederate flag because that's dumb well, yeah. when, but, when i you know what it made me think when i took american history i'm trying to remember how much of the 20th century we even actually got to cover did yeah. we talk about i you feel know, like because, we talked about this on the show because yeah, american history when i took it didn't start with you know 1776 right you know, it started with you know the colon, uh, uh, America being discovered, right. and the, the colonists coming over yeah. here, and what was it like, a hundred and fifty years of, of being a colony or something like that, or two hundred. I, you know what, I'm a dumbass when it comes to that kind of stuff, and I don't totally remember, but I, I don't, I don't think we hit on a lot of stuff no. that was really relevant to modern. I'm not saying they don't teach, you know, the colonies and stuff. It's important to know where the country started and where not as much like, time. Like we shouldn't de- yeah, yeah, devote yeah, yeah, that yeah, much exactly. time to the. We should be devoting a lot of time to more modern things so that kids understand why we are where we are now because of the, the past 60, 70, 80 years, not what happened 300, 400 years ago. Um, yeah, which is to say some of that stuff isn't relevant. It right. is, but not every single piece of that. Right. It's important to, you know. Yeah. It's interesting, yes, man. Yes, cover the East India Trading Company. You know, yes, cover the colonies and stuff. But I don't know. I feel like maybe learning more about, you know, the civil rights era or Jim Crow. Things Crow like this, or, yeah. You know, yeah. Even, even learning a little bit more about how the Industrial Revolution uh, affected the modern time. Well, I mean, I think a great example, this was just, a, I don't know how. But uh, y'all's education was, but I do remember when in high in high school we started covering the Salem witch trials. Yes, and obviously that was a terrible part in our history, but we covered it. There, it was very open about it. We read the books about it. We watched yep. documentaries on yep. it. We spent a, at least it had to be a week on the Salem witch trials, but I couldn't tell you a single thing about uh, like the um, the black stock market over there in right. uh, Oklahoma. I couldn't tell you a thing about that because I was never I, taught that. I did not – the first time I heard the name Nat Turner, yeah. I was listening to a Talib Kweli song. Yeah. 
And I was like, Nat Turner, who's that? And I went and, you know, looked it up for myself and found out that he led a slave rebellion. That's crazy because you know, they didn't teach us that. Yeah. For me, the right. first time I'd heard the name Emmett Till was in a rap song as well. Yep. Do you know yep. what I mean? And that's exactly the thing. The like we sh- thing, and that's why I love our show, too, because it's not I mean, it is it is cre- it's crazy. It's creepy. It's to think about that. But it's also the injustice of what happened to this poor kid that I want to make sure we're this show that covers things. And sure, everybody knows Amityville and everybody knows UFOs. But I do want to make sure we cover these as well. The ones that are kind of like the, the sores on the face of America. Like we don't want to have to yeah. admit that we did this, but it happened. And so we should talk about it. Yeah, and a sore doesn't get better until you start actually taking care of it. Exactly. Right? Yep. Until you start putting medicine on it. and really... If you ignore it, it becomes infected. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. And then you have to cut off a limb. You don't want to have to go that far. You don't want to do that. Yep. So there you go, guys. Uh, thanks so much for listening, Creepers. That was the story of George Stinney Jr. It's a sad story, but it's an important story. And again, if if we if we see where the mistakes were, we can learn from it and move on as a society. So hope uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, you guys have anything else you want to say before we clear out of the clubhouse? Uh, real quick, um, I think your uh, what you brought to the table today is maybe a good uh, indicator of something Chris and I want to start that will be on this same feed, your History of Creeps feed. Uh, we're going to start doing a show besides this, and that's odd, and it's going to be about true crime. So yeah. Um, but stay they, tuned for that. Yeah, but the the true crime we're covering, they're they're going to be solved. It's not we're not going to do right, ones yes. that are mysteries or unsolved. We're going to cover from beginning to and you know specific stories. And I feel like it should right. be things like this stories that you may never have heard. There'll be ones that you've heard of before, and you know you got to you always have to pick the big stories, the the big hitters. But I really want to start delving into the, a world of some of the things we never heard of before. And and you think to yourself, how come I never heard of this? Yeah. So uh, if you're listening to this and you follow us on Facebook. Uh, and you know of a good solved uh, or a fascinating solved or interesting solved uh, true crime case, uh, just let us know. Uh, send us a message or, or comment on our Facebook page. Do something, and we'll look into it. Sweet. Carter, you got anything? Uh, just to say that that was a really good one, and I want to do more like that. For sure. For sure, for sure. All right, Creepers, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you hit those lights, lock the doors, close the windows, and as always... Stay creepy.